0: From the Hype HQ studio in Chicago, Illinois, it's Startup Hype Man, the podcast. Hello everyone, my name is Raj Nation and I am the founder of Startup Hype Man. Fast growing startups work with me because they wanna become better storytellers. Whether that's for customers, investors, or a packed audience, they know that story is their ticket to stand out, stand apart, and change the game. And this podcast here is where I talk with entrepreneurs and leaders in the startup ecosystem, ranging from scale stage to early stage, as they share specific strategies that they have executed to stand out across three specific areas, sales, marketing, and people. Before we begin today's episode, remember you can head to StartupHypeMan.com and subscribe to the newsletter that doesn't suck. You'll get new podcast episodes and timely reads written by me, but also helpful articles from around the web and a notice of upcoming pitch competitions. All right, let's dive in and hear how today's guest is changing the game. Ladies and gentlemen, making her way to the microphone from West Chicago, Illinois, and currently residing in Aurora, Illinois. She is the CEO and co-founder of K Plus L Storytellers. Please welcome, Michelle Kelly! Woo!
1: <laughs> Word girls in the house! <laughs>
0: She is Michelle Kelly, the CEO, co-founder of K Plus L Storytellers. K Plus L is a corporate storytelling agency focusing on delivering brand and content strategy, as well as brand and content itself. They've been around since 2017. It's a husband and wife team. I'm super excited to bring her on here for the season finale of Startup Hype Man, the podcast season 13. She runs this, as I said, as a husband and wife duo, Uh, along with, well, her husband, to be redundant yet again. (laughs) Um, And I'm excited to have her on because she's a fellow storyteller. And as you know, if you've been listening to the show, you know I'm a storyteller. So when two minds like this get together, it's probably going to be a pretty good conversation. Uh, Michelle and I have been like running around in similar circles for a few years now. I know we've seen each other on LinkedIn here and there. And then Um, I know you had read some of my content, and then you reached out, and then we started talking to each other, and here we are today. Now, Michelle, our topic today is using story to clarify your brand's perception. Ooh, this is a juicy topic. Can you let our listeners know why this is on your mind and why this is important to you?
1: Yes. So I'm going to do exactly what drives my children crazy. I'm going to answer a question with a question. (laughs) So here we go. Imagine this. I walk into your office, and I say, Raj, I'd like you to give me $100. And you throw up your hands, and you go, whoa, 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 $100? I don't think so. But I come into your office, and I say, Raj, I would like you to give me $100, because I am doing a campaign fundraising event tomorrow and for my niece who has leukemia, suddenly you know my story. You know that I'm a concerned aunt, that I have that there's this child with this cause, and you have a fuller sense of my story and my and the perception of why I am asking for that hundred dollars. So when we talk about clarifying using story to clarify your brand perception. We are talking about that ask, and that ask has to be tied to a why, and that why is your story. It's to well be better said. understood.
0: Well said, very well said. I think this is gonna be a, just an awesome conversation that we have together. Before we dive into the idea of story clarifying brand perception, Let's rewind, take it back down memory lane and learn a little bit more about you, Michelle. Now, um, I'm curious to know, what is the first memory you have that you can recall story playing a role in your life?
1: Excellent question. Here we go. At the age of seven, I wrote a book it was my first book and it was called wow. the world according to me <laughs> and it had poems and stories and drawings and i still have it to this day it's it's uh it's bound by rusty uh, you know uh, staples in it but <laughs> i just remember always looking at everything around me like it like i was a scene in a story like so i would I, I would pretend I was a gardener when I was a kid I was the gardener of the estate I mean these are stories that I just made up in my head and I loved writing them down and one of my children hate it when I share this fact but i I loved reading the dictionary when I was a child it was so exciting to thumb through it and know that there were untapped worlds behind all of those words I have just always thought of it the world through the lens of story and then in high school in high school, I would, I would, uh, write sappy songs on my guitar. And then in college, I, I loved writing. I was terrible at programming. I was a computer science major and my professors just to pass me through the classes, let me write papers instead of writing programs. So writing has always been, um, a love, a passion. And I think, you know, a secondary vocation to being a mother.
0: I also see the world through story. So I'm definitely vibing with you on that. Um, and it's funny you mentioned guitar. Cause like I also do music on the side um, as a rapper in my case, but you talk about sappy songs on your guitar in high school. Uh, do you recall any of those songs? Uh, and like, what were some of the lyrics to those songs?
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, I do actually. <laughs> All right. My, my biggest, hit (laughs) it was called you gotta kiss a lot of frogs before you meet prince charming you gotta kiss a lot of frogs before you meet prince charming (laughs) yeah you gotta hop along the lily pads
0: nice that was (laughs) my big hit now when you say big hit you mean like it was featured at the school talent show
1: uh no it was sung in
0: bonfire circles
1: No, as a storyteller, we can make up stories in our own heads. So it was just a big hit to me. I would play my guitar while my mother uh, washed dishes. So uh, I, yes. So I, I had an audience of one, but boy, she was really a, the head of my fan club. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sometimes an audience of one is all you need to get going. Exactly. Um, we'll fast forward a lot here. Um, kind of into like the backstory of K plus L because I know I mentioned it started in 2017, but can you talk us through like really like the 10 years before that where you and your husband first started working together uh, and sort of what happened there and how you ended up coming into K plus L?
1: Absolutely. So we, so a lot of people have referred to us as the first couple of story because we have always, <laughs> uh, we have always worked together together. Uh, it with as writers. He's a writer. I'm a writer. He was a bureau chief for, for Copley News Service, and so he comes from the news side. I come from more of the fiction and creative writing side. And we had this firm prior to the recession that was really excellent. Like it allowed us to go to Italy with our three children, and <laughs> it was great. And we had big clients like Motorola. And then the recession came along and ate everything in our refrigerator for lunch, and we we couldn't sustain the business. So we, so we did what many people did. I mean, there was a story behind every door in the recession, right? I remember picking up my children um, and from school and they, there were more fathers than there were mothers at pickup time. And the fact of it was many people were affected by the recession and, and we were as well. So we persevered. He went off and did his thing did some financial advising which was a total train wreck and I kept uh, at it as a freelance writer I would write at night and, and be you know mom during the day of course and it eventually led to my husband landing a job at a content agency in Chicago and from that he gained a whole great view of what the agency world looked like which was fantastic and then in 2017, we, came, we decided that, that old business partners make great new ones. And hmm. we, we drank the champagne and reignited the, the partnership to have a storytelling agency. Because story at the, at the end of the day, Raj, our stories are amazing. And the thing of it is every single person listening to this podcast every single person in the world has something nobody else has and that's their story and that is amazing and that's what we do and that's what that's what i would hope every single person realizes is that their story is so unique and so different whether you're a company or a person a personal brand or a company's brand Take your story and push it out into the world. That's how you're going to change it.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, we just exited the Startup Hype Man podcast and entered Michelle Kelly's TED Talk. That was beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) That was was very beautifully said. I do want to, I'm going to ask you about how the name K plus L together in a second, because truthfully, I just assumed you had a business partner who started with the letter L. (laughs) Uh, But but I don't think that's actually the case. Um, But before I ask about that, I want to go back to what you said about that recession period. You said during the recession, every door had a story behind it. And I don't think many, if anyone else Looks at the 2008 recession period in that same way. So, can you explain a little bit more about what you mean? What you meant when you said there was a there was a story behind every door during that time period?
1: Absolutely. My friend Amy had to abandon being an at home mom so that she could uh, bring home a salary for her family because her husband lost her job. Um, I had friends who had no idea how they were going to pay their mortgage. I had friends who had businesses and they were either in perilous situations or they lost them. I remember a conversation. So let me put you in scene for a second, a conversation with our accountant. And I, and I remember sitting there and I said, Rich, I don't know how to pay the bills with zero. And he said, Michelle, every one of my clients is having that same dilemma where they are either compromised in running their business, their customers have decided that their services are not that important anymore, they're downsizing, and he said, here's what I'm going to tell you, the last man standing will win, and you just have to figure out how to get through this recession and how to, you know, how to maintain, because once you get through on the other side, and I think this is very relevant to today with the pandemic, If you can get through this, you will be resilient. You will be uh, financially successful. You will be clearer about your mission and your purpose, and you will cross the finish line. You will win. You will still be around, but you've just got to get through this period right now. And I've never forgotten that because it, it wasn't trying to live a life of significance. It was trying to live a life of survival. Mm. And I think many people are facing that right now. I know, you know, there are a lot of companies in Chicago with big office spaces trying to figure out how, how they're going to pay that $20,000 a month rent. And here's how you do it. You look at your story. You, f- you figure out what it is you bring to the table for the people you serve. You tell that story over and over and over again. You get clear. You make sure your people are believers who are working for you, that they believe in your story, and, and you, you reach out to your customers, and you show them that you are there for them through thick and thin, and you, you show the world your story, and you live that story, and you will survive. You will survive this. It may not be pretty, but you will survive. You will get through, and your story will bring you to that other side.
0: This relation to the the current pandemic, you're right. is it's, It is very uh, relevant the story you just told to today, and and kind of the situation a lot of companies face themselves in. and And my perspective has really been, like, how do you lean into this and like double down on what you're good at, and not back off and kind of and operate entirely out of fear and like get pulled into scare tactics. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, when you talk about the, la- how, you, how you said your accounts of the last man's standing, I'm, I'm really of that same mindset with the current situation where it's like, you know what? Some people are going to like cave up for, or, you know, cave in from this entirely. And some of it maybe is, to the situation, I think a lot of it is letting yourself succumb to the situation. Others are gonna say, well, hey, this is actually our chance to like separate ourselves from everyone else. Because while everyone else is cutting staff and cutting back on marketing and stripping down to the bare essentials, we actually have an opportunity here to make a real dent because the, what people will remember, are the other people and the brands who stuck with them yes. when times were really shitty, not the ones who disappeared or who said, Hey, we'll see, ya. we'll see you eight months from now when things are looking better.
1: Okay. So here's what I'm going to say on this. You're absolutely right. And that's that resilience. That's that grit that, that, that a company or a brand exudes that gets their customers through the, uh, the difficult times. I, I really believe, Raj, that it all comes down to the human heart. I can't wait to, to, I know that we're going to be talking about this a little bit later, but I think it really comes down to the human heart. You asked a question of how do, how do you not cave in and how do you speak to your to your strengths? I think you've got a Marie Kondo your superpowers. <laughs> Marie Kondo, your superpowers. Have you seen Marie Kondo? Like she's <laughs> awesome. She holds up a shirt and she says, "Joy to you," and then she gives it away. But then she <laughs> holds up another one and says, "I love you," and she puts it over here in the keep pile. That's what we have to do with our superpowers. We've got to hold it up and we've got to hold up our superpower, we got to kiss it. Just like that. Like I love fiction. I I love writing fiction. I had a short story that I put on hold for two years, maybe even three. It sat in a drawer because I didn't have, quote unquote, time to work on it with this pandemic. What's right about that? What's right about putting off your passions, putting off what you're good at, putting off your strength? I got that story out. I I finished it, Raj. I finished it, I wrote another one, I finished that one, and I am on course to write an anthology of short stories called Nine Candles. And I don't know, maybe I'll have just an audience of one. Maybe you'll, you'll be the only one who reads it. <laughs> I don't know. My family, maybe an audience of six, you know. <laughs> I don't care. Because I know that writing fiction is part of who I am and it's part of me as a storyteller. And I can't die with that story inside me and we should not ever die with the story inside of us, the song inside of us, the business idea inside of us. We can't, we can't let that happen.
0: Matt, I'm telling you, this is just, this is your Ted talk. (laughs) If you haven't done one before, I think you need to create one around all these sound bites you're you're dropping right now. Um, Okay. So you love writing fiction. Let's talk more about the nonfiction now, which is mm-hmm. companies. Um, yes. I do want to know, and when you started K plus L, uh, how did you get the name? I mean, I'm thinking the K is from Michelle Kelly.
1: Kelly, yes. And L, so m- when my husband and I married, when Roderick and I married, I took his name, Michelle Kelly. But prior to that, I was a Lodestro. Oh. <laughs> and I have only kept... My made a name in two places, the K plus L, the L part of the our, our name and the inside of my mink coat. <laughs> I have, because my mother and I went and bought it together and she said at the merchandise mart in Chicago. And she said, uh, apparel mart, I'm sorry, in Chicago. And she said, you, I'm gonna buy you this mink coat and you're gonna pay me back $50 at a time. Because every young woman should have their own mink coat before they have to buy end tables, pay a mortgage, and keep the car running, you know, properly. So, so I bought that mink coat, you know, I paid for it myself, and I still have it. And I still remember, my, both my parents are in heaven, but they're with me all the time. They tell me what to do all the time. They nag me all the time to do the right thing and to make good decisions and raise my children, you know, with a beautiful heart. And so that's, that's, those are the only two places I've kept my maiden name. Lodestro. Yes. It means on the right side in Italian. <laughs> I like to <laughs> remind Roderick that, that that, that's why I'm always right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> something I want everyone listening right now, something I want you all to just take note of thus, this thus far in the conversation is that, and this is incredibly important to sales strategies and marketing strategies. We haven't even gotten into, like, those direct questions yet. Every response Michelle has had to a question of mine has been some form of a story. I asked her where the name K plus L came from. She could have said, oh, Ladestra is my maiden name. But she didn't. She said, well, let me tell you about the only two places where my maiden name still exists. My mink coat. And then I got this beautiful story about her own personal family history. And I want you to hear that and think through, if you're a sales rep, if you're a sales leader listening to this, if you're the CEO listening to this, how do I get my team to start communicating like that? Because I will tell you when you are running, say a demo call, your customer is going to ask you questions. Your prospect is going to ask you questions and you have a choice every time they ask you a question to either respond with something that's just like flat and there's a direct answer or you could give them the answer with some story behind it when you do that i can i can promise you i am not going to forget that story michelle just told me about the mink coat 10 years from now I i will most likely still remember that story and if you want to be a brand that stays in the mind of your buyers who then become customers not just for 10 months but for 10 years it starts with the stories you tell So I I think that was, you telling that story is a great segue now into sort of like the nonfiction, quote unquote, of company storytelling. And and the topic is using story to clarify your brand's perception today. Um, Now, I know that you often hear from the companies that you work, your clients, um, that they feel like they have a mismatch between market perception and what their company actually offers. Why do you think that mismatch exists?
1: Great question. And I'm going to borrow from neuroscience to answer this question. So how we process information is through our amygdala. And I'm probably not pronouncing it right, but it's, it actually exists. I could spell it better than I can say That is how you pronounce it. it. <laughs> okay. So
0: yeah. yeah.
1: So it comes through there. And what happens with every piece of information, every time we see a, a, a commercial or get hit with a pinged by a social post or et cetera, we match it up with everything that has ever happened in our entire life. I mean, our brains are incredibly designed. So we match it up with everything that we've ever experienced, all the things that scared us, all the things that brought us joy, all the things that inspired us. And we do one of a few things. We either, uh, well, we can have go into fight or flight. So we can it, we can totally be frozen, or we can totally flee from it, or we can just not care because it doesn't match up to anything in our minds and in, in our experiences, the filing cabinets of our minds. And we discard it, or we can remember it when. When I went into, uh, so I live in Aurora and there's, there's this bakery in downtown Aurora and I went into it and the woman behind the counter was speaking Spanish and it brought me back to my grandmother who spoke broken English. My mother was, uh, you know, came to this country from um, the Northern part of Italy. And so my grandmother's, it brought back memories of my grandmother and i love that little bakery shop because of that it's a feeling and david premier s- talked about this in the paradox of selling roi on your podcast last time he said buyers buy on feelings and that's why there's a disconnect because sometimes our brand doesn't match up with the with the life experiences of our prospects or even our customers because remember a customer is not the end of the road in sales beyond the customer is keeping the customer beyond the customer is a customer for life how do you get people to love you for life that's sales so so the disconnect that lack of clarity between a brand and And the perception of what that brand is. There can be a wide chasm because, and this is why it's so important to understand your, your customer. It's so important to really understand your audience and to look at them, not as one big massive number, but as each individual, what is important to them? What's going on in their life as a sales rep have you gone out and talked to each one of your customers and asked them how are you doing during this time of great uncertainty it seems like a common thing to do a common sense thing to do but i think it's a very hard thing to do because so much of sales is rolled into numbers you know you you have to fill the funnel and you have to keep that sales journey going all the way through but at the end of the day we are human beings we'll, we are not selling to to a computer we it's going that way ai is making a lot of decisions for us and it is it is crafting some of it is uh, impacting that relationship in certain ways but i think that's overhyped and it really still comes down to human beings that's why there's lack of clarity that's why there's a disconnect
0: well you talk about that you know it all comes down to the feelings and and yeah in our last episode david Primer had talked about people, you know, people are buying on feelings and, and that's sort of like the disconnect with ROI. And to add on to both of those points is that, c- cause I know there are a lot of people who will kind of always think like, yeah, but our industry is very ROI driven. And I'm always like to a point it is numbers will reinforce something else, but that something else is, is, is the lead, not the something else and the i think the the fundamental fact you cannot ignore when you say like when we people like you and I will say like feelings and emotions will prevail in a buying decision over roi and numbers and data is michelle you could have the perfect product for me it could have all of the exact use cases that i need to know it could By the numbers, be better than every competitor. And there would be no logical reason for me to not go with you. And assuming I have like the budget for it. Right. But if at some point in our journey together, you insulted my mother, there's no Mm. chance in hell. I would buy from you. Even if all those things existed, I would go with someone else or, or not do anything. And that's kind of the—I mean—that's an extreme example, but that's kind of the point, right? That's how much—even—even even a CFO will not buy on numbers if you insult that person's mother.
1: No doubt about it. And, and you know, I, here here's a a little a little short story of a to back this up, a personal short story. So the pandemic it hits. You know, have to stay home. Can't go out. Okay. I said to my family, we're not going to the store. We're not going to the grocery store. I don't care how many ma- I don't care if you put a mask on my entire body. I'm not going in there. I'm not. I'm, the, the virus is not crossing this door. And I'm going to do everything I can to prevent it from from that happening. And our lo- so we have a kind of a big grocery store locally, and we have a little Italian store in our neighborhood. The big grocery store. Is it
0: Cavuto's or Caputo's?
1: Oh, I love Caputo's. I love Caputo's. <laughs> Oh my gosh, the pasta, the cannoli. No, this is uh, the little Italian store is Prisco's. Okay. And Raj, you have got to come out to Aurora. I'm going to take you there for gelato. They have gelato.
0: Okay. okay. And
1: Lavazza coffee. Anyway, so they, so the little, the little Italian store owned by the Prisco family, still to this day, they are not, they don't have products online. All right, they, they're not set up for e-commerce. But here's what they did for. Uh, I mean, they're a bike right away, right? So they offered pickup, send us an email, whatever you want. We'll put your card on file, your debit card, and you just come. We'll call us when you're here. You can pick up your order free, no extra charge because that helped our local big grocery store. Sure. You could go on there and they have a whole e-commerce site could not get a slot for delivery 14 days out. Hmm. I said how does that help me? I am making I make dinner every night for my family. I I can't wait 14 days to get the uh, you know the skirt steak to put on the table, you know, or the ground beef for my meatballs and Sunday pasta. So that little store and I will patronize that store forever because in my time of need they were there. The big store I Nope. I'm, I told my family, I said, I am on strike. I'm not going back there because they didn't help me when we needed the help the most. They couldn't figure out a solution. And, and they even lead you all the way through on their website to the very point of ordering. So you
0: spend all that time,
1: all that time. And I had to go boop, orders out. I'm not doing <laughs> it. I can't wait 14 days.
0: Okay. Now, When we think about these same concepts in a B2B setting, I feel like a lot of people think, yeah, story, of course it makes sense if you're running a TV commercial. Of course it makes sense if you're doing quote-unquote advertising in that sense. But, I mean, it doesn't really apply to a company like ours that sells software or that sells forklifts, whatever it might be. Um, What do you say to that?
1: I, I love that. I love that question because I, I have gotten it a hundred times over. So uh, I, first, may I, may I share a quote really quickly? Because I think this is really relevant to B2B, B2C, B2 human beings. Uh, telling This is by uh, Richard Kearney. Telling stories is as basic to human beings as eating. More so, in fact, for while food makes us live, stories are what make our lives worth living. So I want to give a couple examples here. You're from Chicago. You're a Chicago boy. I'm a Chicago girl. So let's look at Wrigley Field. Wrigley, the a corporation that developed an entire neighborhood, an entire culture, just by creating the Cubs narrative of family, fun, and community. That's a story. If you make forklifts, if you make forklifts, what's your origin story? How did your company start? There had to have been a founder, didn't drop from the sky like from a stork. Your founder story will endear people to the company. And then what's your vision story? Where are you going with those forklifts? Are your forklifts used to carry pallets that carry food that, that feed the world? That's a story. I get goosebumps. I don't even know what forklift company we're talking about. I just got goosebumps. <laughs> so that that story on your blog. So where do you put your story? This, this I get this question all the time. Where do you put the story? You put it on your website. You use stories in social media. You use visual storytelling on Instagram, Instagram, and on the not the um, the stock photos of hands. And people around a conference table. No, oh. no, you're better than that. <laughs> you're going to use stories because you grow as a brand. Let's say your your brand is all about growth. You're going to use and, and you're in the accounting business. Show a show a picture of a plant. I mean, this is storytelling. That when you get up there to do speeches, I've got a client right now. He's amazing. He is a CX disruptor, and he is uh, we're working together on cataloging his stories. Exactly what you said, Raj. He's going to use them in different sales situations, in meetings. So when he's talking about why his company is going to be there on a short deadline, he's going to bring in a story about that. That's what that prospect is going to remember. So let's look at another company, RX Bar. RX Bar. Have you ever had one?
0: Yeah, I don't really like it because the texture, but I know it's very popular and they're bought by Kellogg's.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I really like the RX bars. I like I like them. I was trying to use examples of pe- of things that we all know or that yeah. we've seen. Um, they tell their story on their packaging. You know, all of their ingredients. So what is that? Their tra- one of their values is transparency. Story is about pushing out your values. It's about pushing out your beliefs. And I don't mean the mission, vision, values that collect dust on a website. I don't mean that. I'm talking about the real values that you believe in. So on there, I, I knew this was going to happen. I'm like, ah, oh, I think I'll talk about the RX bar. I went on their website. Sure enough, what do they have under the about section? Our story. That's exactly how they phrase it. I knew they were going to do that. And they talk about the headline is it's 2013 and we called BS on protein bars. Wow, that's got, that's got a voice to it. That's got attitude to it. That's got a rebellious brand archetype behind it. It takes
0: a stance, right? And that's kind of, I think, a big thing yes. here is conviction.
1: Absolutely. When you can feel the beating heart of a brand, you're telling your story. Whether you know it or not doesn't matter. You're telling your story.
0: So what is the starting point then? Um I th- we've talked to this point like conceptually when you are working with clients mm-hmm. and they say, Hey, we need K plus L because our, our content is shit. Uh, <laughs> our brand is misaligned overall. Where do, where do we begin in this process?
1: We begin with the hero of the story, Raj. And I, I know, I know where we, we, we challenge each other on this point and that's okay because you know what playing devil's advocate is good. It produces the best outcome at the end. You begin with the hero of the story and the hero of the story is not the company. It's not the brand. You talk about the audience. We talked about this a little bit earlier, you know, really understanding the people you serve. You would think the story begins with yourself or with your brand but i i don't think so i don't believe that i i believe it's asking it's asking questions and exploring who your customer is who the audience is and really understanding them so it's client so tangible right client insight interviews it's it's really surprising the number of companies i've i've talked to who have you talked to your customers? No. Like, why would I want to talk to them? Well, you know, you've got to talk to them. I mean, like you really have to talk to them. I'm, we're doing some, we're doing positioning for a political candidate right now. And we're asking people two questions, you know, do you care, do you care about this position? And if you do care about this position that they're going for, do you have a question for that candidate? And so shocking no, nobody even wants to ask the questions. They don't care. They don't even care about the position. Cause uh, so this is like a, at the County level. All right. That's coming up in this November. Yeah. So what do, what does your audience, care? So your client insight interviews and find out what they care about, find out where they are in their lives and who they are, what they eat for breakfast, what kind of car they drive. Um, wh- what. Where are they on Maslow's hierarchy of needs? I Mm. Maslow was brilliant. That little hierarchy of needs, I have that on my desktop. I look every time I'm doing something, a piece for a client, I'm always looking at that. Where is the reader? Where is the consumer of this information? So, got to know your audience. Then you've got to go to your why. I mean, Simon Sinek, you know, card carrying fan over here. Uh, you have to ask, you know, why? Why? are you getting up every morning walking 10 paces to your office at seven o'clock in the morning and doing what you do it's 10 paces now because of the pandemic, but you know, <laughs> before, why did you get on that CTA <laughs> train? You know, transportation. Well, I guess
0: in this case it's why are you choosing to not stay in bed because of the pandemic? Yeah,
1: there you go. Right. Why <laughs> exactly? So it's, Understanding your audience, really doing a deep dive in who they are, and then because they are the hero of the story, they're the re, they're the they're the person, the people, the audience that you are leading to success. And then it's asking your why, finding out your why. And a lot of companies, some companies know their why; they understand what what's what why they exist. This is a little. Now, I get this question a lot. Is the why the same thing as a mission statement? I want to address that really quickly for everybody listening. It It is not. The why is why you exist. The mission can change a little bit over time. So a Western Union I, I don't even know if they exist anymore. But let's pretend they do. If Western Union still existed, their why would be different than when they first started, or their mission would be different than when they first started out in business. Obviously, you know, hundred-year-old IBM. It's a hundred, almost a hundred-year-old company. I'm sure IBM today has a different mission than they did when they first started. State Farm. It's another almost hundred-year uh, company, but their why is their why is still the same. I. I, gar- I almost guarantee it, truly. I mean, in rare cases, maybe it changes. If, if you get bought out, acquired, mergers and acquisitions, that's a whole other discussion, but um, your why doesn't change. In fact, for people, you and I, human beings, everybody, our why is established by our early 20s. It, it doesn't change. And in fact, the, the fiction, the anthology of short stories actually that I'm working on explores the basic concept of the the person we become is the person we always were. That's the, that's the thesis of, of all the stories. Mm -hmm. And that is the why it doesn't change still the same at 90 as we were at 20.
0: Yeah. So I actually, my, my first company, we used to do a lot of work in developing whys for people and what we found was, you know, we did this hundreds of times. And what we found was that a person's why is, it is the directive behind everything that they have cared about up to this point in life, like genuinely cared about to this point in life Mm -hmm. and will continue to be the guiding force. Most likely, unless they have to go into like witness protection or something um, for everything that they will care about in the future. And that all the events in their life that were not in alignment with their, I guess, that, that didn't fit that narrative,
1: mm-hmm.
0: those were moments they could actually point out, this was through our process, they were pointing out that they didn't feel so good during those times. And it came back to a misalignment with their why in those moments.
1: I love that you just said that. I love it. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you why. because. That is, when we do sessions with companies on finding their why, we ask a question that directs directly relates to what you just said. We ask, what were your proudest moments?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we get everybody in the room from, from a company, you know, like, well, 14 or 15 people. If it's a small company, that is their company. If it's a larger company, it's a cross-section of different people. But... What what if, has been your proudest moments working for this company, working for this brand? And we those are stories, and we're jotting those on big post-it notes. And from those proud moments, and it, these are not the I I won an award moment. This is the client called me on a Saturday. We saved them from losing all their data, and they by the time dinner rolled around and. I was so proud and the CEO was like emotional on the phone because we had literally saved their company. Mm. You see that? All right, Rod, this is the proof. The hero is the customer.
0: <laughs> Did you hear
1: what I just said? We saved their, com- their company. That example. <laughs> we saved yes. their company. Yes.
0: Okay. So they're the hero uh, let, of the story. I, I, let me clarify when I say I, I carry a little bit of beef with, the line make your customer the hero. Fundamentally, I do agree with it. Uh, everything I do with companies on the sales side is that we always start with what's the problem, and that's a customer-driven thing. And to know the problem we to know the audience. Um, you may have seen in my material before. I'm not sure if you've seen this specific thing, but I have a formula I developed to figure out positioning yes. within a within a company. Um, and I call it the superhero strategy. Mm. And it is different than make your customer the hero. And it is the I, the notion that you have to think of your startup, your company, as a superhero. Because what do superheroes do? They help and they save people. What does your company mm. do? You help and you save people from something. Yes. I always like to use Batman as an example because Batman did not have any mythical powers. He was someone who... Combined access to capital with technology to serve the public good, which is what every company does, right? Mm-hmm. So your companies out here being Batman. But Batman does not come in and save Gotham on a sunny day. Yeah. It's like Today, it's like 84 degrees outside, right? Uh, I mean, we're in a pandemic, so it's a little bit different. But but assume the pandemic's not happening. People have like their kids at the park taking their dog for a walk. You don't see Batman swoop in being like, i we're to save you. Right. <laughs> if he did, people would think he's just like a pervert you do
1: uh, a great Batman
0: <laughs> and I always say Lego Batman would do that but the actual Batman would not <laughs> um, because people get the wrong perception of him when Batman comes in it's because there's crime in the streets Joker's blown up the hospital right um, someone's getting mugged these are the instances where Batman comes in to save the day and so at the end of the day I'm saying the The superhero is you, the startup. However, in order for a superhero to exist, there must be three things in place first. Number one is a damsel or a dude in distress. Number two is a village on fire. Number three is your superpower that can be activated. And then when you have those things in place, then the superhero can come in and save the day, or in business terms, Person in distress is your target audience. Village on fire is the core problem or problems they experience. Superpower is your approach, and superhero is your solution. So that's my approach to it, which still ultimately I think is putting the customer as the hero. But I say you have to think of yourself as saving people from something, not just dropping in on a sunny day.
1: You and I are using different terms for the same thing we Dr. really
0: voice. we're not so different you and i
1: <laughs> no we <laughs> we are and i'll tell you why so you're the superpower the superhero that you're talking about is from a storytelling perspective i mean this is nigel watts early 1990s he came out with the story arc from state eight points from stasis to resolution and it it you know climbing, rising action, you know, climax, reversal, and and then resolution. Mm -hmm. So the guide to success, and this is pertinent for everybody in sales. This is so important for everybody in sales that what you're calling the superhero is what I'm calling the guide. It's the same thing you are guiding your customer to success. You're guiding the prospect to success. So in sales, this is so phenomenally important that you make the customer the hero, you guide them to success, and you show them the amazing world after they work with you and with your brand. And that amazing world is not a, it's, it's not a bunch of features and benefits, it's the impact the change in their life, the change in their day because they're working with you. And it, and, and this goes right to the salesperson. Mm -hmm. So it's not just the brand because the brand, the product, the services, they could all be great. But if that salesperson doesn't take the call from the customer at five o'clock on a Friday because they just don't want to deal with it, which I, I know everybody listening to this would not do that. But if, if, if that salesperson realizes that they are the bridge to creating an amazing world, new world for that customer, that just unleashes the opportunity and the potential for being the, for being unforgettable. I mean, is that not what this is all about? Mm -hmm. Stories are unforgettable. People are unforgettable because of their stories and the impact that they make.
0: And that's what gets uh, specifically on the sales front. It's what gets your company away from being stuck in like the feature slinging showdown with your three other competitors. Right. Because if you, if you stick to feature selling, it's not that you won't ever win customers because some people just kind of already know what they want. Yeah. But you're, always going to be at the mercy of your competitor who has a more perfect way to integrate with the buyer or who has a little bit better price for the buyer whereas when you story sell the competitors start to not matter anymore they are willing to trade a couple things that you may not have cuz there's more belief that they can get to a destination that you you know that you're painting for them and on top of that, oftentimes you can actually add scope to whatever your project or whatever you're, you know whatever it is you're selling, because they have a such there's such deep alignment in that base belief of where they're going to go.
1: I I love that, and this is why I'm I truly am a fan of your work. What you the story driven demo and all that you've written about this it's it's absolutely brilliant. So let me ask you a question. If you are running a race, like you're running – you are truly running a race. You're at the Olympics. You're running a race. Do you think that looking around you at at, at your competitors, do you think that that slows you down? Yes or no?
0: Yeah. Well, I used to run track, and the thing we always said was – even if, you, even if you turn your head for a quarter of a second, that's one step they get on you.
1: Okay, good. Going from that premise, because you were, we were just talking about competitive positioning, we were talking about you know, you know, going up against, which salespeople do all the time, right? You're up against three or four other uh, contenders. This is why being story-driven versus competitively driven is a smart choice if you are focused on who's running beside you, and your focus is to outdistance them. You, you have to put your story aside. You have to put who you are aside because you, you're looking. I mean, you can't do two things at one time, right? Mm-hmm. So you're looking at your competitors. This is why salespeople. We as salespeople, we have to keep running. We have to keep focused. We've got to be that runner who, who is strong inside of us, inside of our own story, know what we stand for, know our strengths, know the extra value we bring to the table. It's good to be aware of the competition. It is not good to be mastered by them. You mm. do not want to be mastered by your competition. You want to master the competition and you do that through story. So in your emails, in your email signature, in your conversations, in your uh, social media posts, in your handwritten notes, in your um, presence in your customers' lives, in the way you onboard new customers. I love onboarding, I love onboarding new clients. If all I could do all day was onboard new clients and that's it, I would do that because it's just (laughs) welcome them and to give them something in a box and to give them our, our kind of manifesto. And it's like, it's, it's welcoming. And all those are techniques. It's the visuals you show. It's the banner on your LinkedIn page. It's your summary. It's in your headline. A lot of people put like six or seven, or they jam all this stuff into their, into their, into their LinkedIn uh, headline. Put your value proposition up there. Tell, tell me why I should care. Put your value proposition. Don't tell me five or six or seven different things about you. You're this. You're this. You're this. You're this. You're this. My gosh, you're a Swiss Army knife. Focus on your value proposition. Focus on your why. Focus on the impact. Tell me why you're changing the world. Why? Tell me why you're going to change my world.
0: Can you go overtime? This is our season finale? You got more time to stick stick around on this conversation?
1: Absolutely, because I want to answer your last question. <laughs> so, I want to answer your last fill in the blank question. <laughs> All
0: right, it's our season finale, everyone. So we're going to go overtime on this. I do want to just take a quick sidestep here um, and and talk about Sales Hacker for a moment. Uh, our partner of the show. Um, so. The conversations here on this podcast tend to stem around B2B-related topics, and if you're not aware, Sales Hacker is the world's smartest community for forward-thinking B2B professionals. It's 135,000 members deep, so, I mean, all the things we've talked about thus far, And if you are a CEO, if you're a head of sales, if you're a marketer, if you're a sales rep, Sales Hacker is going to help you get better at your job with things like podcasts, articles, webinars, and research from actual sales experts and practitioners including Lemois, sometimes I contribute to Sales Hacker, and they just launched something really cool, which is a full-on like community discussion feature. So not only now can you absorb the content, but now you can actually start your own discussion topics around content, whether it's an existing article, or as I've seen recently, someone just asked a question to the community, like, hey, what's the best way to break the ice on LinkedIn? And there was hundreds of people who engaged in that discussion. They've even started doing uh, AMAs, Ask Me Anythings, with leaders in the game. So check out Sales Hacker because if you haven't gotten on board with them yet, you're falling behind and you need to get on board with them today. www.saleshacker.com for all the access to everything that I just said, the articles, the research, the discussions, and more. www.saleshacker.com. I also want to give a shout out to my friend Jason Bay, who has been a guest three times on this show in the past. He has launched his company's summer virtual tour. It is the Blissful Prospecting Think Outside the Script summer virtual tour. So you know how like, everyone was looking forward to Lollapalooza this summer and all the music festivals, but we can't do that anymore? Well, what would the sales version of that look like, a sales version of a music festival? That's what Blissful Prospecting has put together with the Think Outside the Script summer virtual tour. Over the course of 100-plus days, there are 40 different speakers who are sales leaders in different disciplines, and Jason is going to be doing live interactive interviews with these different sales leaders two to three times a week across the whole summer into the early fall in the Think Outside the Script summer virtual tour. Topics are going to cover things like cold calling, cold emails, LinkedIn, psychology, uh, mindset productivity, and more. Speakers in this tour include the author of The Transparency Sale and former guest on this podcast, Todd Capone. Last week's guest on this show, David Primer, Leah Niederthal, Beck Holland from Chorus. The list goes on and on and on. Morgan Ingram, Kevin Dorsey. These are all names you've probably heard of before who are crushing it in the sales game. And Jason's going to be interviewing me as well on August 20th, where I will be talking through How to think like an entertainer and not suck at telling stories specifically within your prospecting cold email efforts. To get access to this, here's the best part. The summer tour is 100% free. Zilch, zero, nada. You just have to go to tour.blissfulprospecting.com. And you can sign up for as many of the sessions as you want. Again, I think he's structuring it in a really cool way where it's only two to three a week spread out over an entire summer into the early fall. So you're not like bombarded with like 80 webinars over the course of like 40 hours. Uh, And again, it's live and interactive. It's not pre-recorded stuff acting like it's supposed to be live. It is actually live. You'll get to ask questions with all the speakers. The average attendee, and by the way, over, I think at this point, 1,700 people have already signed up for this. The average person is signing up for 19.65 talks in total. So I'm super excited for it. Today on LinkedIn, I actually just posted a video where I acted like I was Dwayne the Rock Johnson with my championship belt and I, I promoted the hell out of it. I was like a wrestler cutting a promo. Uh, You know, it's going to be huge. And I put a fake news ticker at the bottom of that video where I said, President Trump says he doesn't care if Startup Hype Man's session is going to be huge. His rallies are still huger. It doesn't matter. (laughs) So check it out one more time. Tour.BlissfulProspecting.com for access to all 40 of these events. But you just got to make sure you sign up. Tour.BlissfulProspecting.com. Today in our season finale of Startup Hype Man, the podcast, season 13, I've got Michelle Kelly of K Plus L Storytellers. And we've been having a really invigorating conversation on using story to clarify your brand's perception. We're going to go about 10, 15 minutes more here on, uh, on everything that we've discussed so far. Now, I want to ask you, Michelle, with this notion of like, you talk about all the places story has a role, whether it's your marketing, your sales your website, your LinkedIn, your email signatures. These are all places where stories come out. Um, you also touched on the idea of a story arc model. But if I'm if I'm a company who sells B2B software, widgets, whatever it might be, how do I go about like I and I know you said start with the customer in mind, mm-hmm. but like tactically, what do I do to like build a, build a build a narrative then? And then what's the first place I would put it?
1: All right, so great question. I would start with the story arc and ask the question, all right, what is the situation? So there are eight points on the story arc. What is the situation right now, on this day, in this moment, in this year? And look at that. Then at, insert your customer or your prospect, your audience, into the narrative and say, what are they coming across? What are, what's happening in their world? And what triggers them to go on a quest for your product? Again, you could look up Nigel Watts' story arc. Um, I'm looking at right now. All right, nobody can see me. But I'm looking at it because I always (laughs) have this in my office. And the hero goes on a quest that is triggered By something they need something they're they're missing something and they go on a quest. So you have what's called stasis—that's the present situation—and then they go on a quest. uh, They go something triggers it. They go on a quest and they find along the way surprises. So so all right, B two B software company. Their clients or their audience—they're running their businesses and they have a problem. And the problem is their different software packages or different software components are not speaking to each other. So they have they have they're repeating data entry in different spots. It's a problem. That's a trigger. They go on a quest to find a solution. 70% of sales happen before anybody ever talks to a salesperson. So they're gonna go to Mother Google and they're gonna talk, maybe talk to some of the people that they know in business. And then they go, so they go on this quest, they find out a few things and then they have to make a critical choice either because the rising action of this story is getting intense. They've got people in different departments entering the same data in different ways. And it's, it's not working. It's inefficient. The system's broken. So they get to the climax and they have to make a critical choice. Are they going to live with this problem the antagonist doesn't have to be a person the antagonist is exactly what you said Raj it's the problem it's it's the fire that has suddenly entered the house and they have to solve it and so you're you're the guide to their success you're Jack in the Titanic you're helping Rose see she doesn't have to marry this this less what's than his
0: work. name I forgot
1: <laughs> Colin or yeah, I, I can never remember his name I just remember Leonardo DiCaprio's character Jack you know and then sidebar Ro-
0: you know my favorite line in that whole movie and I love that oh, what is it is what whatever his name is I always think it's Ricardo but it's not uh uh he he goes I put the diamond in the coat I put the coat on her <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love it. Yeah, he was a little self-centered. Uh <laughs> just a little. So at the climax of this story, then your brand is the is the guide to success or the superhero that saves the day in, in, in a time of peril peril. And so you so you were flipping the whole sales journey and we're saying, look at it as a story arc. And then Always, what happens after the climax is a reversal. So, so, at the point of the highest point of tension in a story is the climax. Let's just say they choose you, they choose Startup Hype Man to, to be their guide to success. The reversal happens. They start to see the light at the end of the tunnel. They start to see for that B2B uh, software company that, okay, they're going to uh, onboard me. Uh, in a really welcoming way. They're not going to treat me like I'm an idiot as I, because I don't understand technology. They've got, um, we've got, sa- we've got uh, sales training or training for the software set up. I've got this nice onboarding box, this package here. I feel good. I feel like these people have my back. Did you hear what I just said? I didn't even mean to say it. I said, I feel. That's exactly what uh-huh. they're going to say. I feel good about this. And then the resolution, and by the way, my children know all eight points of the story arc. So every time we watch have family movie night, they're like, oh, that's the trigger. Oh, that's the climax. <laughs> that's the reversal. Oh, Movie must be over in about 20 minutes. <laughs> so, so then the, we get the big resolution. The resolution is the amazing new world. You know what I would say to companies, if you want to do something today, right now, grab a piece of paper, I'm kind of green, so I like to use paper that I've always already used on one side. <laughs> so I use the other side. Write, draw a circle and put amazing world in the middle of that circle. And then with little, you know, lines, like draw lines out of that circle. What does that look like for your customer? What does that look like for your prospect? What amazing world? What's the big, great? ending to this epic journey you have just taken your audience on. What is it? That's where you're going to find your highest sales messages, right there. The amazing world that you create for customers and prospects. And yes, B2B, it is B2C, B2B, B2H. B, business to human beings, h to h heart to heart.
0: And I would add to that. You tell me if you feel differently. When you draw that amazing world and the lines coming out of it, the 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 default instinct is going to be to write something that is an ROI-related amazing world uh, result. But I would I would say pro- I would caution: don't jump to the ROI and think through, as you said before, what are the feelings and the better state at a qualitative emotional level that people get.
1: Here's what I'm going to say to that, Raj, that a writer every single time, I don't care if, if it was Hemingway or, you know, little old Michelle Kelly sitting at her computer banging away at short stories for her anthology or the salesperson who does that exercise with the amazing world here, here it is every one of us, cause we're all creatives. Every single one of us, when we approach that exercise, fine. Get the ROI stuff out. A writer writes the obvious. That first, dump it out. Get it out. Mm, okay. And then, and then get to the level of depth. You know what? I guarantee you. Here's a quick writing uh, hack. The, your first paragraph is always your second.
0: <laughs> write
1: whatever you want to write. Yeah. Then it. X out the first paragraph because most likely that's the most obvious and it's the most vanilla. And that second paragraph—that's where the magic happens.
0: Can you speak um, real quick on how this translates into like website copy? And I'm asking this specifically through the lens of like, I, I yes, you got to have like your about page figured out, right? Sure. Um, if we think about like a homepage copy or like product page copy. There's a certain point where the buyer or the the researcher, whoever, whatever stage they're in, the person who is interested wants to just like know, (laughs) like you know, what is the thing? I get the story, I get the backstory. I want to know what the thing is and how it's going to help me. Um, How do some of these techniques apply to web copy in that respect?
1: Absolutely, that's a great question. So when it comes to a website. First of all, right, right, that, that homepage is so critically important. Uh, you, you want to embrace clarity over creativity every time. And, and that, is, that, that is something I've learned over the years. It is better to be clear than clever. So you want to be really clear. And, and this goes back to the whole thesis of this podcast, you know, clarifying your brand through story so that people perceive you uh, correctly and in the light that you hope that they perceive you in. So on websites, I'm always starting with the word you. Like, what would the headline look like? And I usually, when I'm writing website copy, I write like 20 hero headlines. And I never write just one. I mean, three, four. It's like garlic. Like, you don't use a clove of garlic. Anytime you see a recipe, it says one clove of garlic. you got be You gotta be insane. It's gotta be like... At least ten cloves of garlic <laughs> in the rest. But um, you start with you. So I write. That's hand- how I
0: know you. That's how I know you're an Italian chef. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you got it. So you start with you. You start with headlines that have the you in them, and then you look at. All right, yes, people have to understand. So what? What are? What's your one sentence summary? Oh, uh, we were talking a little bit about this at the when we first um, got on the call today. Every book has a one sentence uh, summary. So what's the one sentence summary? What's your defining statement? We are this, we believe in this, we do this. You have to say that. You have to have that we in there. And then you you show, you go through, you use neuroscience and you figure out what is important to that prospect, that visitor. What do they need to know in order to love you? And understand you, and have confidence that you're the one. You're the brand for them. You're the you're the uh, expert for them, and you do that through evidence. So you look at your evidence. So a homepage is Ar- Aristotelian argumentative language. That is what a homepage is. It is Aristotle. You make them feel. You have an empathetic message, and then. You have the evidence to, show, to back it up and to show that you, you are honored to have their business, you are prepared to have their business, and you are equipped with the knowledge and tools to deliver. Mm-hmm.
0: Let's begin our wrap-up from that. Where can our listeners find you, find K plus L, and learn more?
1: All right please visit us on LinkedIn K plus L storytellers. Uh, we actually just started this past week <laughs> putting more content on there. <laughs> <laughs> Roderick and I are both uh, pretty avid LinkedIn people, but we do a lot on our own. So we're, we're doing the, the company uh, LinkedIn a little bit more. So uh, K plus L storytellers on LinkedIn uh, look up first couple of story on Instagram and Twitter, uh, we're populating that a bit more. Our, our vision is to write a book together. Hey, we had three children together. Why not write a book together? We got a business together. Why not write a book together? Yeah. First couple of story, we want to make it about big story, big life. It's going to be all about business and also life and how to make a big story about both. So, on, um, and then I, I would invite anyone who wants to talk about story to look me up. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm Michelle Kelly. I think my it's like well, slash story love is comes after it there. Listen, when I was a Michelle Lodestro, there weren't many of us around, but Michelle Kelly, holy cow, there's like a hundred thousand million people in <laughs> Michelle Kelly. And look me up, visit our website, klstorytellers.com. Uh, leave us a love note on there. There's plenty of ways to leave there's forms on there. You can leave us a love note. Reach out. I'd love to talk about story with anybody who wants to talk about it.
0: To close out, we will each give our top one or two lessons or takeaways for the listeners based on our discussion today. I'll go first and then I'll hand it off to you. Our topic today was using story to clarify your brand's perception. Um, There was a lot of good stuff that was said, and I would just recommend everyone like roll tape back on this two or three times to catch it all. Uh, I don't know if this is necessarily the one thing, but, but one thing that did, um, that did stand out to me was when we talked about the competition aspect and that analogy of being in a race where he said, do you think that if in the middle of a race, if you looked to your competitors to the side of you, would you slow down a little bit or would they gain some ground on you? And the answer is yes. And and to take that even further, um, you you said it's good to be aware of of competition but not be mastered by them. Um, Let's take the, who is now the greatest sprinter of all time, Usain Bolt. He gets so far ahead of his competition that by the time he even thinks to look back, he's already at the finish line. Mm. And there's so much distance between him and whoever's coming in second and third place. And then, you know, fourth through eighth. And that is, I think that, that's it right there. Uh, You, you look, you look to your competition to the point when you are so far ahead of them, you're doing it almost like, because you can, not because you need to.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Michelle top one or two lessons or takeaways today.
1: All right, one, two, two quickies. One, story is about creating believers. And Raj, that's why I have been so inspired by you because I do believe that you are doing that on the sales front for tech companies and you're doing it in a beautiful, authentic way. It is to create believers and the value of that extends not only to your customer or to your prospects, but to your own internal team. In football, if the left guard is down, the right guard comes in and compensates for that. And that's what we're talking about here. Give people something to believe in. The CEOs of the world, give your people something to believe in. Second takeaway is uh, we talked earlier about, you know, my fiction writing. And I, I, I have to point this out. You, and I, I know you know this, but you do the things you love. And you said you're a rapper and, you know, music and yoga and, and, and your business. And I, I want you to know that that is what inspired me. That is what was the catalyst for me to take that manuscript out. And I am totally wow. right. I looked at that and I said, I can't believe it. He is not spending all of his extra time writing emails. He's doing the things he loves. And so that's the second takeaway. From everybody on this call, do what you love. Build in time for that. Share it with people. Learn about what, what, what is their jam and live your story.
0: I appreciate those kind words. If I wasn't brown, you'd probably see me blushing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, final question. And I know I know you've been wanting to answer this one. Yeah. To close out season 13 <laughs> of this show, fill in the blank. Entrepreneurship is blank.
1: Entrepreneurship is love. And I have written a very short poem for you and for our listeners. Wow.
0: Yes, please. It's
1: called Entrepreneurship is love. Unequivocable, passionate, the desire to do good. A willingness to sacrifice, setting aside yourself to set another person or entity upon a stage. That's love. That's what it means to be an entrepreneur. You take your talents to the world. You change the world. How could anyone who does all that do it without love?
0: Very, very, very well said and beautifully written. Thank you for sharing that.
1: Thank you for giving me a reason to write it.
0: She is Michelle Kelly, co-founder and CEO of K L Storytellers. Michelle, thank you so much for joining today on our season finale.
1: Thank you, Raj. I loved it.
0: And we will see you listeners back for season 14 launch date TBD, but not too far around the corner. In the meantime, be sure, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, to check out the Blissful Prospecting Tour, where me along with 40 plus other speakers will be talking all things sales, all things prospecting, all things uh, getting into the hearts and minds of your customers. It kicks off on June 23rd and goes all the way until October 6th, tour.blissfulprospecting.com. And be sure to catch up on all episodes you might have missed this season by scrolling back through our archive and catching everything else. You know where to find me, at Startup Hype Man. Thank you again, Michelle, for joining us. Hype Man out. Word up. Raise up. (laughs) That wraps up today's conversation. Did you like what you heard? Startup Hype Man, the podcast, is available on every major platform, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and more. So be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice and leave a rating and review. Do you want to be an upcoming guest on the show? Email media at startuphypeman.com with your idea, and my team will review. Our theme song is Change the Game by Jay-Z, all rights owned by Rockefeller and Def Jam Records. And hey, if you want to work together on making your startup story the only one that matters, email me at Rajiv at StartupHypeMan.com That's R-A-J-I-V at StartupHypeMan.com Well, that'll do it for today. Thank you for listening. Thank you to today's guests for joining. You have been checking out Startup Hype Man, the podcast. I'll catch you next week, but in the meantime, word up, raise up.